Well, it is another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live here at Joy 620 or you're listening to the podcast over at investinghope.com or Apple, uh, let's see, iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found, you can find this show. We're grateful that you are listening. We are still in this pandemic. What's it been? I don't know, three, four, five months, six months. Uh, It's all likelihood it was here back in December, maybe January. Uh, We we know for, you know, things kind of started getting weird uh, about March for us here in, at least in Tennessee. And then things got really bad in New York. And then uh, now you're starting to see numbers go up in Tennessee and Georgia and, and Florida and, and some other places. Uh, but look, we, we knew that was going to happen. I mean, it, it, what did you expect was going to happen? You, you shut everybody up in their house. You close businesses down. And then when things start to open back up, well, people start congregating with each other. So, yeah, the, the numbers were going to go up. And so we need to be cautious. We need to be smart and, and take all the right precautions and, and do all the right things uh, and do our best. But, look, it, it is, I don't know if it's going to go away. I think, I think it's here. Uh, I don't know if a vaccine is going to help. It may. Uh, it may prevent. You know, it's just like the flu vaccine. Some people take it and the, and the virus evolves. And so, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, look, here's the, here's the reality. To be good neighbors – just be good neighbors. It's that simple. If somebody has a mask on, respect that. If they don't, then uh, let's not shame people. Let's let's walk through this. Let's be cautious. Let's take care of each other. Uh, I would recommend turning the news off. Uh, get off of Facebook. Uh, get off of the social media outlets and, and just kind of uh, be good neighbors. Let's just do that. I think uh, I think we'll all be better for it. So as we as we look to things to talk about today, we're not going to talk about uh, COVID exclusively. What we're going to do is there was some big news coming out of New York last week uh, concerning Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger. Now, for those of you not familiar with Margaret Sanger, she was the founder of Planned Parenthood years and years and years ago. I believe it was 1918 uh, is when they founded the organization, or 1916, somewhere around in there. And so Margaret Sanger, big racist, uh, was a fav- in favor of eugenics. She said things like, we need to eradicate society of the weeds. Now, what did she mean by that? She didn't mean the weeds that you find in the sidewalk. She meant those that were minority. She meant those with dis- disabilities. Uh, and, uh, and so she was the founder of Planned Parenthood. They, they still give awards in her name. And it's interesting, you know, we've talked, you know, we've had this conversation for years about Civil War statues and statues of uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest or statues of Robert E. Lee and, and we've, you know, the Confederate flag. We've had these conversations. Should these things still be out in the public? Should we be celebrating these folks or not? We've had these conversations and a lot of times when these conversations come up, pro-lifers will say, well, while we're talking about racists, what about Margaret Sanger? Hillary Clinton received the Margaret Sanger Award. I mean, are we going to talk about her? And what we've been told is, well, you know, no, she's a great woman. She was for birth control and reproductive rights and, you know, women's rights and all this. And so she she got a pass. She always got a pass. And now, 2020, you have the pandemic, you have uh, protest, you have you have looting, you have statues being pulled down. You have uh, Angie Mama, the, the syrup being taken off the shelf. You have all these things happening. 
And apparently, Margaret Sanger is not off the hook just yet. And so there's a great piece over at the New York Times, and you heard that right, written by Ross uh, uh, Douthat, that is, he, he's a great writer, and this was written on July 25th, and this is a great piece, and I, I want to go through it with you because it's going to shed some light on, on uh, the wrestling match that, that's happening within the largest abortion provider in the country. And, and Ross says this, Last week, Planned Parenthood of Greater New York announced that it would remove Margaret Sanger's name from its Manhattan Health Center. The grounds were Sanger's eugenic ideas and alliances, which for years have been highlighted by anti-abortion advocates and minimized by her admirers. Under the pressure of the current moment, apparently, that uh, minimization isn't sustainable anymore. So did you hear that? So they, they said they're taking it down because of her eugenic ideas and alliances. Now, pro-lifers have been saying this for years. You can go on our website, investinghope.com. You can see that I wrote a blog about this, I don't know, two years ago. We've been having this conversation for years, uh, and nothing has happened. The article goes further. This is an interesting shift from just a year ago when Clarence Thomas faced a wave of media scorn when he took note of Sanger's eugenic sympathies. But Thomas was citing Sanger's writings to suggest that abortion in America today reflects a kind of structural race, racism, an inherited tendency which persists even without racist intent for pro-abortion policies to reduce minority births more than white births. Whereas the removal of Sanger's name, presumably, was intended to drive home the opposite point, to establish a clear separation between past and present, between racism then and abortion rights today. But the difficulty is that according to current thinking on how structural racism lingers and what anti-racism requires, Thomas still seems to have a reasonable case. That thinking emphasizes, first, the persistent influence of formerly institutionalized racism even in the absence of conscious racists, and second, the importance of assessing every policy based on its effects on racial equality. Uh, there is no such thing as a non-racist or a race-neutral policy, writes the best-selling theorist uh, Ibram Kendi. Every policy in every institution in every community in every nation is producing or sustaining either racial inequality or equity. Now apply these frameworks to the history of Planned Parenthood. The organization had eugenic ideas close to its root. And while Sanger herself was pro-contraception rather than a pro-abortion, her successors championed both abortion rights and global population control policies that were racist by any reasonable def definition. Then, when abortion was legalized in the U.S. with Planned Parenthood's strong support, its initial effect was a sharp decline in minority births. According to the, uh, economic, uh, let's see, the economist Philip Levine, white births dipped only slightly after legalization, while the non-white birth rate dropped by 15%. Fifty years later, the abortion rate is five times higher for African Americans than for whites. So in this story, a worldview with racist antecedents win, wins a, majority, a major policy victory that immediately has a disproportionate effect on minority birth rates. And then there is the further twist that over the longer run, Roe v. Wade and the sexual revolution probably changed family structure as well as George Akerlof and future Fed Chair Janet Yellen argued in a 1996 paper, by creating a wider space for men to expect sex without commitment and to behave irresponsibly toward pregnant women. 
Quote, by making the birth of the child the physical choice of the mother, they wrote, the sexual revolution has made marriage and child support a social choice of the father, end quote. Like the abortion rate itself, this trend, the long rise of fatherlessness, has been steeper in poor and vulnerable communities. So it, too, has helped to sustain racial inequality by reserving to the wider upper classes the socioeconomic advantages that two-parent families enjoy. Keep following this logic and you might conclude that if Planned Parenthood really took anti-racism seriously, it would repent of its support for abortion and devote itself exclusively to helping support African-American pregnancies instead. Are you convinced? I expect not. Maybe think, I see, maybe you think the decline of the two-parent family is strictly about deindustrialization. Maybe you believe the benefits of abortion access for minority women outweigh whatever power lower birth rates cost the African-American community writ large. Maybe you think the nuclear family was itself a form of white or Western oppression, and any anti-racism that requires its revival isn't worthy of the name. This appears to be the position of the official Black Lives Matters organization. Or maybe you simply think abortion is an absolute human right, which must be defended even if, as policy, it appears to have a disparate racial impact. Each of these claims could spin out another column in response. For now, I just want the skeptical reader to consider, through the case of Planned Parenthood's history and abortion social consequences, just how complicated the questions opened up by concepts like structural racism and the racism, anti-racism binary can become. Followed rigorously to their conclusions, they may lead to surprising or inconvenient ideological conclusions, to intersectional dilemmas no doctrine can resolve, or just to a deep uncertainty about the best path to racial redress. Or they might even lead to a creeping sense that Clarence Thomas has a point, that at the the very moment that America finally granted African Americans full citizenship, it also embarked on a separate social revolution whose most ruthless feature the belief that equality and liberty require removing protection from human life left a specific stamp on the African-American experience, just as the most ruthless features of our history always do. Again, you can find that article at the New York Times in the opinion page. And that's where we are. Look, a lot of folks are saying, you know, what took them so long? And look, I, I will give credit where credit is due. Margaret Sanger's name should have come off any building a long time ago. They should have distanced themselves a long time ago from her and her beliefs and her ideology. But they didn't. But last week, they did. So hats off for doing that. My question, though, my question now is, so what does that mean? What does that mean? You see how the waters get muddy here. It's the same thing when people say, well, you know, should we take this statue down? Well, this statue means something for one segment of the population, and it means something completely different for another segment of the population. Or we see a statue in Columbus, Ohio of Christopher Columbus, and we say, you know, Christopher Columbus did did some terrible things, but he also brought the West to... uh, he brought the value system over here in, in finding this country, in finding North America. There, there's some positives that happened. And so we just simply want to say we are grateful 
that that those those values were brought over here. You see, but you can go either way with that. Same thing with with folks talking about the Confederate flag or talking about uh, the Nathan Bedford Forest bust in the in the state capitol here in Tennessee. You see, we go back and forth, but you have one segment saying, look, there's no place for those anywhere. We don't even need to vote. We just need to tear them down and break them into small pieces of rubble. Yet, when it comes to the abortion giant, Margaret Sanger's name is all over everything. Everything. So here's, here's my concern. Not so long ago, they were given awards in her name. She's been dead for a long time, folks. But all of a sudden in 2020, her, uh, her beliefs when it comes to eugenics and when it comes to race bother people. Her thought process hasn't changed. She's been in the grave. She hasn't come out with new papers. She hasn't come out with a new book. She hasn't come out with new thoughts or new ideas. Nothing about her has changed. But finally, finally our voice was heard. And they've at least in New York taken her name off of the building. And so... Hats off. Good job for doing that. But taking the name off the building, distancing yourself from that woman, doesn't change the fact that her beliefs, her ideology, her motives, you want to talk about systematic racism? All of her beliefs are entrenched in that movement. All of her beliefs are entrenched in that organization they were literally founded on her beliefs that's something that we all should wrestle with we'll talk more when we come back i've been running in circles jumping the hurdles getting caught in that rush of doing so much i'm feeling kind of worn out all this checking the boxes trying to be flawless has me spinning my head, catching my breath, too afraid to slow down. I tell myself to keep this up. So as we continue the conversation today, we're going to keep talking about what's going on in, in what happened in New York at Planned Parenthood and, and dealing with Margaret Sanger. And I, I do think it's important that we understand who she was. I do think it's important that we recognize that uh, it took the current environment in 2020 for Planned Parenthood to decide on this and make a change. Like the context matters. Right? And so it's the same way when when we see here lately we see uh, apologies from a lot of folks. They go to their Twitter, they go to their Instagram account, their Facebook account and they apologize, you know, whether it's a celebrity because they wore blackface in a uh, Saturday Night Live skit way back in the day or because they you know, a photo popped up of, of something that they had on that was cultural appreci- uh, appropriation, or, or maybe there's a, uh, a politician that, that said something from years ago and, and they don't know, they don't remember saying it, but it was a different time. And so context matters, and now they come out and they, they offer that kind of that fake apology. And it's the apology that, that really isn't them saying, I'm sorry, it's them saying, I'm sorry if this offended you. Well, that's not really an apology. 
Right. And so, so just by saying, I'm sorry if this offended you, well, then you are, you are saying that, well, if this offended you, I don't understand why it did, but I'm sorry for that. Well, that's not an apology, but that's where we are. And so it's not surprising that in 2020, around all of that, in that context, in the context of what we saw in Minneapolis with George Floyd, in the context of what we saw and what we've seen around the country in terms of protests, in terms of rioting, in terms of looting, in terms of, of seeing statues pulled down, it's not surprising in that context that someone around a conference table within Planned Parenthood's organization said, maybe we need to get in front of this. You know, the pro-lifers have been coming at us pretty hard for years about our ties to Margaret Sanger and her beliefs. Maybe we need to get in front of this and we need to just say we're going to pull it off because of X, Y, and Z. But the reality is, like I said before the break, taking the name off the building, distancing yourself from the person doesn't mean that Planned Parenthood, the organization, is distancing themselves from the ideology, from the mindset, from the values. And there's a piece over at uh, americamagazine.org and, uh, and I think it's important that we look at it. And so again, on, on Tuesday of last week, Planned Parenthood of Greater New York announced that they will remove the founder Margaret Sanger's name from its Manhattan Health Clinic and urge New York City leaders to remove her name from a street sign near the clinic because of her, quote, harmful connections to eugenics movement, end quote. Now again, think about that. Her harmful connections to eugenics movement, those connections have been in place since 1916 for over a hundred years. But all of a sudden in 2020, look, folks, we need to uh, look city leaders. We need this road sign taken down. Oh, we need this taken off of our building. So going back to the article, it is certainly a welcome acknowledgement of historical fact that Planned Parenthood is owning the racist eugenist history of Sanger. But this does not excuse their continued uh, perpetuation of her legacy through their insidious practice of targeting the most vulnerable, especially poor women and women of color, both of whose populations so often intersect. By locating the vast majority of Planned Parenthood clinics within walking distance of non-white neighborhoods, Sanger was supported policies to sterilize people with disabilities that could not be treated. And according to a Planned Parenthood fact sheet, called for, quote, placing so-called illiterates, paupers, unemployables, criminals, prostitutes, and dope fiends on farms and in open spaces as long as necessary for the strengthening and development of moral conduct, end quote. Sanger was so dedicated to control a population she considered to be, quote, undesirable that she accepted an invitation to speak. Now listen to this. She accepted an invitation to speak to a women's branch of the Ku Klux Klan seeing it as an opportunity to gain support for her cause. In 1939, Sanger launched the Negro Project, which she wrote was aimed at, quote, helping Negroes to control their birth rate, end quote, while advocating for a federal population bureau to police reproduction. Sanger also endorsed the 1927 Supreme Court decision, Buck v. Bell, which held that compulsory sterilization of the, quote, unfit was constitutional. Most states did adapt or did adopt involuntary sterilization policies. And by 1967, more than 60,000 people had been sterilized, often without their consent or even their knowledge. The decision has never been formally overturned. That's what she wanted to do. 
It was because of Buck that the movement to use sterilization as a tool of population control was able to target vulnerable communities, including women of color, robbing them of their true reproductive freedom and of the precious gift of motherhood. The sterilization of black women in the Jim Crow South was so prevalent that the euphemism, quote, Mississippi epidectomy, end quote, came to mean forced hysterectomy on black women, including the civil rights icon and pro-life activist Fannie Lou Hammer. Now, the authors of this piece are pro-life feminists, and they say we echo Hammer's words when she condemned the actions of those who would simultaneously criticize poor mothers of color and put obstacles in their way to work. Quote, we still love those children. And after these babies are born, we are not going to disband these children from our families. I think these children have a right to live, and I think these mothers have a right to support them in a decent way. We are dealing with human beings, end quote. At a time when so many individuals and institutions have taken a step back to reflect on the structural inequalities and systematic discrimination that still permeate our society, Planned Parenthood has chosen lip service over justice. While Sanger's name may may be removed from public spaces, her legacy of destruction and dehumanization remains. Millions of children of color and poor children who are priceless are gone forever, nameless, unloved, and buried in medical waste. Scrubbing Sanger's name from the abortion clinic does nothing to improve, much less save, the lives of children who are maimed and killed or the women who have been sold, the lie that they and their unplanned pregnancies are problem to be solved. Sanger did oppose abortion itself, but from its very inception, the mission of the American Birth Control League and later Planned Parenthood has been, in effect, to target, control, and ultimately reduce vulnerable, quote, undesirable populations. Without Sanger, there would be no Planned Parenthood, the largest provider of abortions in the U.S. today. No amount of virtue signaling from the abortion advocates who now run the organization allows them to escape this fact. According to the Guttmacher Institute, the former research arm of Planned Parenthood, three in four women receiving abortions are among the poorest income groups. Six in ten who are driven to abortion are women of color. Six in ten women who undergo abortions are already mothers. Half of all abortions are repeat abortions. Because of the lack of resources and support from mothers in school at work, as well as from the fathers of their children, women cite these obstacles as top reasons to seek abortion. With a seemingly nonstop tumult of the news cycle this year, one might forget that 2020 is the centennial celebration of the 19th Amendment, which was led to victory by the suffragists, the original Feminists for Life, a movement that was born from the fight to abolish slavery. They stood against abortion and stood for resources and support for the most vulnerable. Like today, abortion was common in the 19th century, as the novelist and uh, Eleanor Kirk so eloquently wrote in Susan B. Anthony's newspaper, The Revolution, in 1868. She said this, What will become of the babies? Why doesn't somebody ask? What has become of the babies? Ask abortion doctor Madame and thousands of physicians, male and female, who have been engaged in their work of destruction for years. Physicians who have graduated from our first medical colleges. Physicians with high-sounding diplomas whose eloquent stand, they, they eloquently stand in front of the Fifth Avenue mansions, who pocket a big fee and a little bundle of flesh at the same time, and nobody's the wiser, not even the husband, in host of instances. What will become of the babies? Did you ask? And you, can you not see that the idea is to educate women that they may be self-reliant, self-sustaining, self-respected? Godspeed the time for the sake of the babies, little ones, will then be welcomed. 
That's our message today. We'll be back. So today's conversation is an important one. I think it's I think it is important when we look at what's going on in our country, in our society, uh, in the context that we find ourselves in. We have a pandemic, we have protests, we have riots, we have looting, we have statues being torn down. We we have people angry about wearing masks. We have people angry that restaurants and bars are having to close in certain parts of the country. We have people angry that there's curfews. And I mean, Nashville, uh, the mayor just came out and said. You know, there's a curfew at 10 o'clock. Look, normally, and I'm not getting into it, normally I understand why politicians do what politicians do. But I don't, I have yet to read a study that says the virus is uh, more dangerous at 10.01 p.m. than it is at 10 o'clock p.m. or 9.59 p.m. So I don't understand the curfew, but, you know, I'm not the mayor of Nashville. And so, so as we see all of these things where we're hearing about tax hikes and tax increases and when people are, have lost their job and been, been furloughed and all of these things are happening, then we get news this week that, that the, the Senate and House, uh, at least Mitch McConnell came out and said, we, we got a new coronavirus uh, bill coming up and they're saying that people are going to get checks again, going to get stimulus checks again. So if you got one last time, you're going to get it for the same amount this time. Uh, And so all of these things are happening. Now we're seeing on social media, people are arguing with each other. Should I wear a mask or should I not wear a mask? And you have people arguing that the virus is real. It's not real. There was a video yesterday. I haven't even had time to look into if it's legit or not. But there's people that are sharing this video and Facebook is taking it down and Twitter is taking it down. And Donald Trump Jr.'s account was uh, uh, suspended on Twitter because he shared this video and, and all of these things happening. And in the midst of that, Planned Parenthood, because they are great at marketing, we're like, hey, let's just throw something out there. We're going to remove Margaret Sanger from the name, from the building in New York. Look, this this won't stay in the news long. And, of course, it didn't, and it won't. Not just because of the name, but because it's Planned Parenthood, and they are loved by the media. But, folks, all of these things are happening. All of these things are occurring. The news is just nonstop, nonstop. I mean, think about it. What was it? Was it last year, the year before? When was the shooting in Vegas? Jason Aldean up playing country music and a dude up in one of the hotels starts shooting everybody. We still don't know why. <laughs> we still don't know. No one's asking questions. And I bring that up just to say that that seems like ages ago. Ages ago. I mean, but but that's where we are today. It just keeps turning. Every you know, every day there's a new ha ha gotcha story. Every day. And so because of that, we we get exhausted. We get angry, we get frustrated, we take it out on our neighbors, we take it out on people on social media. Social media has never been a great place, but Lord have mercy, some of y'all are angry. 
angry. And so what are we doing? What changes have we made? You know, the, the phrase new normal, you know, we've been hearing that a lot. You know, people have been saying, hey, we got to pivot. It's a new normal. Uncertain times. All of those phrases, social distancing, all these, all these phrases have kind of popped up during the COVID pandemic. Let's be honest with ourselves. Some of us, some of us needed a new normal because the old normal wasn't working. The old normal was you working way too many hours. The old normal was you not being a good husband. The old normal was you not being a good parent. The old normal was you not getting enough sleep, was you eating unhealthy junk food. Maybe we needed a new normal. Maybe now's the time for a reset, is it? I can't answer that for you. Maybe now's the time for a reset of the abortion industry. Maybe now's the time. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, the announcement that they are removing Margaret Sanger's name from the building there in New York and they're wanting the road name changed. In a perfect world, they would really start doing a, a shift, not just from her name, but from her ideas. Wouldn't that be amazing if this is just the beginning of that snowball effect? Now, I don't know if that's the case, but a man can hope. And so when, when I read and, and throw out these numbers about where abortion clinics are opening, who's getting the most abortions, you know, when we look at police brutality and we see the videos and we talk about it, and we have these conversations and we, people talk about systematic racism. The reason why they talk about some of these things is because they look at the past and they go, okay, there was a, uh, in the Jim Crow South, even though the Civil War was over, there were still laws on the books. <clears throat> Excuse me. There were still laws on the books that that were designed to hold a segment of the population down. And so the data showed that. And, and in the same way, we can look at the abortion industry and we can look at where they open their stores. And now you may say, well, they're not stores. They kind of are. But where are they opening their businesses up? They're doing so in minority neighborhoods. That's why you see the numbers that you do within the African-American community. That's why you see the correlation between abortion and poverty. It's because there's a goal there. I mean, we can look at the same connection in terms of a lot of fast food restaurants. Where are they populated? Well, there's a reason why they, they put themselves there. 
because that's where the customers are. And so it's, it's not rocket science to look at the data when it comes to these abortion clinics and go, well, it, it kind of looks like they're targeting a certain segment of the population for abortion. Well, it looks like that because they are. And so what's the ramifications of that? The ramifications of that is less babies, less African-Americans. That's what happens. That's Margaret Sanger talk about eugenics. That was the goal. We want to rid society. The whole point of eugenics is to reach a perfect race. Not to have diversity. That wasn't the goal. But it was to get, get rid of the weeds. The disabled. the uh, Those that had Down syndrome. Those... Uh, that were minorities. And see, that's not empowering. You know, screaming about birth control and screaming about abortion all the time, that's not empowering. You know, we, we talked about it before on here, but what's the... Uh, there is one thing. There's, there's a lot of things that my wife can do that I can't do. But there is one thing that my wife can do that no matter how hard I work, no matter how hard I try, no matter how much effort I put in, there's one thing that my wife can do that I cannot do. What is that one thing? Have a baby. I can't do it. So you know the whole saying, anything you can do, I can do better? No, I can't. I cannot have a baby. But this modern day feminism comes up and says, let's take that away. Let's abort that baby because that baby's going to hold you back. And in reality, the empowering thing would be you can be the mom to this child. You can have your baby and your dreams. That's empowering. That's empowering. Telling a woman that she can't have her baby and her dreams is not empowering. It's discouraging. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. How's that empowering? But see, that's where we are. We got everything turned upside down. Everything. And so am I grateful that they're taking her name off the building in New York and maybe off the road? Yeah. But wouldn't a follow-up question be from a, a legit journalist? Hey, why now? Her ideas haven't changed. Her mindset hasn't changed. Are we going to ask Hillary Clinton? Well, why does it matter now? You accepted an award named after her. Why, why all of a sudden now in 2020 does it matter? You see, those are, those are normal follow-up questions when these things happen. Of course, I'm sure no one will ask. We'll talk more when we come back. I've been thinking about time And where does it go? How can I stop my life from passing me by? I don't know 
I've been thinking about family Now it's going so fast Will I wake up one morning Just wishing that I could go back I've been thinking about So as we finish up today, hopefully this was productive and maybe you learned something that you didn't know beforehand. Uh, and, and look, I, I'm going to be honest, as we, as we have these conversations, these are just things that you should know. As pro-lifers, you should know about Margaret Sanger. You should know about what's going on um, with the largest abortion uh, provider in the country, uh, while also understanding they are not the only abortion provider in the country. So they become the face, but there's a lot of abortion clinics in this country that go under the radar because no one knows who they are. And they're doing a lot of damage, and they're taking a lot of lives. And so don't forget that fact as well. Uh, to shift gears a little bit, I do want to let you know that coming up the week of August 23rd, we are hosting a virtual Run With Hope. Now, we've in the years past, we've done... Uh, we done 5Ks. This year, we added a 10K as well, and we added uh, a walking option. But we were going to have it in person. We were going to have it at Victor Ash uh, Park, and uh, COVID, once again, you know, comes in and ruins everything. And so we have decided, because of numbers and everything that, that's going on, it just would be best not to congregate a large group of people together. And so what we're doing is we're doing it virtual. What that means for you is you can run it anywhere, anywhere. And so wherever you're listening to this, if you're listening to this out of the state of Tennessee, if you're listening to this in Middle Tennessee or West Tennessee, wherever you are, you can run this race, register and participate with us. You can get a Hope shirt, uh, a Run With Hope shirt. You can get all of that. You can get all the goodies that come with it. Uh, and we're still going to have winners as well. So you're going to be able to post your time. And let us know. Uh, so this year's Run With Hope, formerly Hope 5K, will be an all-virtual race, of course, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. If you're participating, you will need to complete your run, either the 5K or the 10K, between August 23rd and August 29th at the location of your choosing. Upon registering, you will be able to opt in to a text or email notifications. Follow these instructions and you'll be able to text or email your timing results upon completing your run. Only registered participants who send in their results will be qualified for prizes. All registered participants will receive a shirt and a goodie bag, and the shirt's going to be amazing. Uh, the goodie bag's going to be great as well. Registration is open now. You can go to investinghope.com, and you can register. We love our sponsor, Shoreline Church, uh, the, the Boyd Foundation. Randy Boyd's a great friend and, and uh, sponsor of this run. We're still working, and maybe we'll have some more sponsors coming up. It's going to be a great time. It's for a great cause for the women in this city. And so when, if you ever sit around and go, what is, what is it that I can do? I mean, yeah, I can go vote. I went and early voted today. I went and did that, put my mask on. I'm, I joked that uh, normally I hold my nose and vote anyway. And so this time wearing a mask, not all that bad. And so maybe, maybe you're thinking, you know, I, of course I vote, but there's got to be something else I can do. What else can I do? This is one thing that you can do. Maybe you're a runner and you just want to run with us. Maybe you're not a runner. Maybe, maybe you just want to get into running and this is a great opportunity. Set a goal and go after it. We would love for you to partner with us in this to make sure that our patients are served well. And again, all of the services that we provide are free to the patient, free to the insurance company, uh, free to the taxpayer, 
And so we, we really want you to partner with us in this and let your friends know about it. You can find information about it on our Facebook page, of course, on our website. Uh, maybe, maybe you know people that are runners and you're like, hey, let's all run together. You can put teams in it. We had a team the other day of 19 people sign up. So put a team in it. Run together. Go have fun. Get together sometime that week and run it. And, uh, and so we, you know, one thing great, too, is you could register. And then maybe on August 23rd, you run it and you're like, I don't know. Maybe I can do better tomorrow. And you run it again. And then you submit your best time. You know, that's an option. You can do that. And so I would just encourage you to, uh, to partner with us. There's a lot of nonprofits across the country trying to figure out what to do uh, with, with COVID and, and large gatherings and all of these things. We're all trying to adapt. We're all trying to figure it out. I get it. There's a lot of people asking you for money. There's a lot of people uh, asking you to do this and do that and watch their stream and do this virtual and all those things. And I know that for some of you, you're like, this is great because I don't like to be around people. And for some of you, you're going, I need to be around people. I would just encourage you to take this time, take these moments to partner. Yeah, sure, partner with us at Hope, but, but look at other nonprofits that need that assistance as well. We would, we would encourage you to do that. It's going to be worth your time. It's going to be worth your effort, and we're going to put your, your funds to good use. I can promise you that. Uh, it's been fun. We'll talk to you next week. This is my Singing, oh, God, keep me in the moment. Help me live with my eyes wide open Cause I don't wanna miss what you have for me